0: Well, as I said before, happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, We are going to look at the Bible's account of that, so if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 20, we'll begin in verse 1. John chapter 20 and verse 1, and today uh, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the dead, and in a sense we do that every week whenever we gather together because we gather on Sundays, and that is a commemoration of uh, His resurrection from the dead on the first day of the week on Sunday, and but, uh, but, but. Resurrection Sunday, or Easter as it's commonly called, is really the the, the pinnacle, I think, of the Christian calendar. It's a time when we pause to remember and celebrate His victory over Satan and death and the grave and all that goes along with that. Uh, and, And it's really the linchpin, the resurrection is, it's the linchpin of the Christian faith because without it, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith is worthless and we're still in our sins. But thanks be to God, He did rise from the dead and He has provided salvation. Now, what we're going to look at today, like I said, is out of John chapter 20, and uh, we're, not to, we're not going to read this in our, in our main text today, but down a little bit further in verse 31, um, John tells why he has written this gospel, and uh, if you have your Bible open, you might just kind of glance down there. In verse 31, uh, John says, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life In His name, and so John tells us why he has recorded what he has recorded. He has written these things so that we would believe that Jesus is God's anointed. He is the Messiah, and that we would have eternal life through Him. And so, part of that includes this resurrection that he records. And so, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what John records in John chapter twenty, and uh, and and uh, it's my hope that you will, uh, as we look through this, that you will believe in the resurrection, that you'll believe the resurrection. And it's my hope that if you've never done so, that you will believe on Christ for eternal life, that that you will see Him as the Messiah and will put your faith in Him. It's also my hope if you have done that, that, that you have put your faith in Christ and you do believe in the resurrection. It's my hope that you will believe afresh as we look at this text. Now, where we pick up in the series of events, Jesus has been crucified. He's been hastily buried in a borrowed tomb because it was, uh, the Sabbath was, was getting ready to start, so they didn't have time to care for his body the way that they wanted to. And so here it is, the first day of the week, very early in the morning on Sunday, and uh, some women, and John's going to focus on just one of them, Mary Magdalene, but some women were going to the tomb to take care of the body of Christ and give him what you might call a proper burial. And that's where we pick up in uh, John chapter 20 and verse 1. Now if you found that text, I'd like you to stand with me in honor of God's word if you're able. And we'll read down to verse 18. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's the Apostle John that uh, wrote this gospel, and said to them, "They have taken away the the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him." So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb. And when he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been uh, on his head, not lined with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, then also entered and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, "'Woman, why are you weeping?' She said to them, "'Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him.'" When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, "'Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking?' Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, "'Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away.'" Jesus said to her, "'Mary.'" She turned around and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Thank you. may be seated. Now, as I said before, John's desire in this in this whole gospel, and, and this is uh, this is one of the things that he records here, is he wants us to read this account. He wants us to see the life of Christ. He wants to see, he wants us to see the miracles that Jesus performed and believe in Christ for eternal life. And so, it's my desire as well that as you read this, that you will believe the resurrection. And the first thing I want you to notice about what he says: the first reason to believe the resurrection is because of the empty tomb. Because of the empty tomb. Now, there's something. That this is something that the opponents of, of Christianity, they, they dismiss out of hand. They, they kind of gloss over it, I think. And I, I think that they don't spend enough time here. They don't deal honestly with it. But I think that a lot of Christians don't spend enough time here either. Listen, the tomb is empty. Now, why is that such a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because graves don't empty themselves. If you go out into any cemetery... And, and go to uh, whatever, whatever uh, grave that it is, it doesn't matter if it's a new grave or if it's an old grave, you go there. If you, if you were to dig up that casket, when you open it up, the body that was put in there is still there. The tomb does not empty itself. If, if you go to the, the, the grave sites of any of the so-called religious men of other faiths, you're going to find the same thing. The body that was put there is still there. But that's not the case with Christianity. Because Jesus was put in the grave, but he didn't stay in the grave. Now, the question that must be asked and answered is, why? Why is this tomb that once held the body of Christ, why is it now empty? And this is something that, again, I don't think people spend enough time with and deal honestly with. Why is the tomb empty? Well, let's think about that for a minute. One of the things people say, oh, well, it must have been the grave robbers. All right, let's consider that. Now, what do grave robbers typically do? They don't steal the body. Grave robbers steal things on the body. They'll steal jewelry and things like that. Maybe things that were buried with the body. But they don't take the body itself most of the time. Because what are you going to do with a putrefying corpse? Set up and on your sofa? I mean, what are you going to do with it, right? Instead, they take the things that are valuable from inside the tomb. And on top of that, in the immediate aftermath of a death, that's when people are most likely to be going to the tomb. Because whenever somebody dies, and in, and in those few days, and those few weeks, immediately after that, that's when people frequent the graves. That's when people come to pay their last respects, maybe if they got, didn't get to be there for the service. That's where people, as they're, as they're working through their grief, they may visit and, and, and verbalize things there at, at, at the grave site. That's when people come. If you are a grave robber, you're not going to go when you're most likely to get caught. And on top of that, the Jews had a period of mourning that lasted for seven days. Remember, this is, only, this, is only, this is only about halfway into that. And so these people that are mourning, they are more likely to be there during that time. The grave robbers aren't going to go. And on top of that, there was a Roman guard for that specific reason. They put a Roman guard there to make sure nobody stole the body. Well, if it wasn't the grave robbers, maybe Jesus didn't die on the cross. That's one of the popular things, the swoon theory, whatever you want to call it. Well, think about that. Let's just say that Jesus really didn't die on the cross. Maybe he just looked like he was dead. Everybody was convinced he was dead, but he wasn't really. Well, how'd he get out of the grave? How'd he get out of that tomb? You mean to tell me that this man who was nailed to a cross through his hands and his feet, and he was scourged, and he was whipped, and he was beaten, and he was spit upon, he had all these terrible things done to him in his weakened state, in his in as as he was as he laid there in that cold tomb he revived enough and he was strong enough from the inside to roll that heavy stone away and then there were the roman guards outside and somehow jesus did some some martial arts i guess and overcame the roman soldiers no well he didn't do martial arts well maybe he ran away he had he was nailed through his feet he's not running anywhere right i mean this is ridiculous Jesus didn't. It wasn't that Jesus didn't die on the cross. He was. He was dead, literally, physically dead. Disciples, they didn't get him. Remember, they had Roman guards to stop that. And on top of that, the, the the disciples they were hiding out. They they were they were being cowardly, and yet they became bold as lions in their testimony about the risen Lord. Now, can you imagine these disciples? They didn't. They weren't over in Jerusalem saying hey this happened but it happened in southwest Missouri where they knew nobody would be able to go and verify that or not they said this happened right here in Jerusalem in fact the tombs right outside the city walls go look for yourself and these people that they were hearing the testimony of these disciples they could go verify and you know some of them did the religious leaders certainly didn't have the body because the first time the disciples said Jesus rose from the dead they towed out the body Say, nope, here he is. No, the grave is empty for a reason, and that reason is because Jesus is alive. He doesn't need it anymore. Now, it wasn't just the empty grave that testifies to Jesus being alive, but also the empty grave clothes. Believe the resurrection because the empty grave clothes. Now, I want you, I want you to, to notice what is said in, in our text. Now, when I say grave clues, what do I mean? Part of their burial custom was they would wrap the body in linen cloth, strips of, of cloth. And we're familiar with Egyptian mummies. Now, they didn't, they didn't do Egyptian mummification. But I'm using that to, as kind of a picture because you understand wrapping the body in strips of cloth. So they would, they would take this body of, of their loved one and they would wrap that body in strips of linen cloth, and they would put aloes and spices and stuff in those wrappings. And they would lay the body to rest. And so so they have done this, and I want you to look at verse 3. Peter and, and John, they decide to go check this out, this report that Mary Magdalene has brought. And verse 4 says they ran together. John outruns Peter. He's several years younger. He outruns him. And he gets to the tomb. And there are actually three different words rendered saw or see in our, our text here but they're all rendered by the same English word saw ok so the first time is in verse 5 look at what it says it says in stooping in he saw this is, this is John he saw the linen wrappings lying there but he did not go in so the word that's translated as saw there has the idea of glancing around so, so John gets to, the, gets to the tomb he looks in remember it's like a, a cave that's carved out into the rock and he looks in he glances around sees him but it, it's just kind of in the process of taking it all in. Peter gets there, and being, you know, Peter is full steam ahead. Everything he does, it's 100% pedal to the metal. So Peter, he doesn't, I don't know if he even slowed down whenever he was, he was trying to catch up to John, and man, John stops, and he just, boom, he just goes right on in. And he gets in there, and the Bible says that Peter saw, look at look at what it is, um, verse 6, Peter came Uh, also came following him and entered the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there so here it is two times it's mentioned right here in two verses the linen wrappings but this time it's a different word the word that's used there in the original language means that he stared at it so John he comes he he, he, he uh, he takes a scan body's not there linen wrappings are there Peter he comes in he goes in the tomb there's no body, and he sees the linen wrappings, and he stares at it. Why? What is it about the linen wrappings? So Peter's staring at it. He's, he's, he's cogitating on it. Where I come from, we say he was studying on it. He was thinking about it. He was trying to process it. He was trying to put all the pieces together, trying to understand what he was seeing. He saw the, 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 the wrapping that had been around Jesus' head was, was rolled up. By itself it was um, it, it was it was orderly it was it, it it just puzzled him, but then it says that John then after Jesus, uh, after Peter had gone in, verse eight, the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, then also entered and he saw and believed, and this is a different word. this has the idea of perception, so at first he sees it, Peter stares at it, and then John looks at it and says. Ah, I understand. He puts two and two together. He perceives the meaning of this. He he, he doesn't just stare. He doesn't just glance. He understands. And he gives a a rather unflattering admission, both about himself and also of the other disciples. Because he says they saw and believed, verse 9, verse, yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. In other words, he's saying, We should have seen this. It's right there in the Old Testament. Jesus has told us this is going to happen, and we were blind to it. He says, we didn't, we didn't get it yet, but whenever he saw it, we saw the linen wrappings with his own eyes, that's when he believed. So what is it about the empty grave clothes that were so convincing to him? First, and not just him, again, Peter was setting on it too. So what was it that was so meaningful about there being linen wrappings in the tomb well first the fact that they were there now if if somebody's going to steal the body remember thieves try to get in get out as quickly as possible if you're stealing the body what do you do you say hey bill once you start at this end i'll start at this end let's unwrap it and let's carry it out now what do you do you're in there to go fast you pick up one end you pick up the other end let's go the linen wrappings are going with the body. Then when you get them off-site, you can do whatever you're doing with them. You don't do it at the tomb. And so the fact that they were there caught their attention. But also, number two, the fact that, that they were laying there in an orderly fashion. If somebody was going to take the, the wrappings off the body, they would have strung them out everywhere. It would have been, you know, things are going, as, as they're pulling stuff off, things are going this way, things are going that way. This face cloth that had been wrapped around his head, it wouldn't be rolled up by itself in a neat, orderly fashion. And remember, it's a strip of cloth. It, it would have been crumpled up and thrown over in the corner. It would have been strewn about. None of that's happening. The Bible says that, that these things appeared, uh, as, as, they, as they looked at this, it pointed to the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. And the implication is the linen wrappings were right there where the body had been, but there's no body in them. Now, it's like, it's like the body had, had passed right through them, you might say. And, just, and maybe you're like me, and I'm kind of a visual person. And so I, I have an illustration of this. I wish it was original to me because I like it really good, but it's not. Um, a few years ago, uh, Norma had told me about a, um, a, a preacher that she had seen that had done this illustration, and, um, and I thought it was great. I wish I knew who it was, I'd give him credit, but I, I don't know who it is. So, hopefully, you can see this. So, if you, what I've done is I have wrapped up a pillow in some uh, tissue paper. And so it's it's wrapped up, and just just you got to use your imagination. Like this is the body, and these are the linen wrappings. Okay, so what would it mean for the linen wrappings to be laying there where the body had been in the same form? It would be kind of like I don't know if it'll kind of like that. The body is gone. The linen wrappings still there in the same form. And so when the disciples came in and they saw this, John saw it. Okay, that's that's weird. Peter comes in and says, Nobody. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this out. And John comes in and he says, Ah, Jesus rose from the dead just like he said he would. The linen wrappings, the empty linen wrappings, testify to the resurrection. It's not just the empty tomb. Now, finally, I, I want you to believe the resurrection, not only because of the empty tomb, not only because of the empty linen wrappings, but also because of the eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness testimony. Now, now, if we would have kept reading down through verses 19 and following, the disciples are all they're all scared because. It's like, hey, if this is what they're doing to Jesus, the one that we're following, if this is what they're doing to Jesus, who has miraculous power, what are they going to do to us? We're just humble fishermen. So they're hiding. They're scared. And they have the doors locked, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears in their midst. They saw Jesus with their own eyes. See, this is not some cleverly devised, made-up tale. These are eyewitness accounts. Now, someone would say, well, just because somebody said that they saw Jesus doesn't mean they did. Absolutely true. People say that they've seen and heard all kinds of things. doesn't make it so necessarily. But it doesn't mean just because it's out of the ordinary or even amazing doesn't mean it didn't happen. So what you then have to ask is, do we have any evidence or any proof that these people are dishonest? That these people are deceptive? That these people are trying to manipulate people in some way. That they are liars. Do we have any testimony that points to that? The answer to that is no. Now somebody would look at it and say, well of course there's evidence that points to this, because they're saying that Jesus rose from the dead. They're saying that this amazing thing happened. That points to the fact that they're not telling the truth. But listen, that's assuming the conclusion. That assumes that the fact that they're testifying about something amazing that that very thing points to them being dishonest. Well, that's only valid if the amazing thing didn't actually happen. If it did happen, then they are not being untrustworthy. They would be untrustworthy if they said it didn't happen and they saw that it did. There's no evidence to to suggest that these people are anything other than honest. Have you ever talked to somebody and said, You know, I have it on good authority. And then they usually tell you some big yarn. And they'll say, well, I have it on good authority. What's your authority? Well, my cousin, my my third cousin, twice removed. Well, he's got a friend that has a neighbor whose granddaughter's boyfriend works down at the convenience store and they heard it from a guy who knows someone. It's good authority. You've, you've, You've talked to people like that. These guys didn't say, Hey, I heard about this thing that happened. They said, I saw it with my own eyes. It's eyewitness testimony. How many times if if somebody's in a if somebody's on trial, would they have been happy to have one eyewitness that said, I saw him over there? when everybody, the other people are saying I saw him over there. How many, how many people that are on trial would have loved for, you know. 500 plus to say, I saw him over there. Eyewitness accounts, not hearsay. Eyewitness accounts. That's not something to, to ignore. That's something to deal with. Jesus rose from the dead. He was once alive and then he was dead and he is alive forevermore. There, there's never going to be a day or a time when Jesus will ever be dead again. He, he'll, he'll never suffer again. He has defeated the devil. He has defeated, he's defeated the grave. He's defeated death. Jesus is alive. The resurrection is a fact. He, is, he has pulled the teeth from that. The, the Bible describes the devil as, a, as a, a prowling lion, seeking whom he may devour. And at the cross and the resurrection, Jesus pulled the teeth out of that old lion. He has defeated Satan. He has overcome the power of the grave. He has has stolen the sting of death. And it's my hope and it's my prayer that today that you will believe the resurrection. That you will look at the empty tomb. That you will look at the empty grave clothes. That you will listen to these eyewitness testimonies and believe that Jesus is the Christ. That He is the Messiah. That He is the mediator between God and man. Jesus rose from the dead. And because of his death, we can have eternal life. He took, he took God's punishment for sin on himself. He was, he was a substitute. He, he was, the big word for it is vicarious. He, he, took, he took someone's place. Now, we see this in war, and we recognize the valor of it. Somebody jumps on a grenade to save the lives of their countrymen. We understand that. That person is sacrificing themselves to save someone else. Jesus took the grenade for sinners on the cross. On the cross, the Bible says that he bore our sins in his body. And on the cross, the Bible says that God poured out his wrath. And Jesus paid the debt that was owed to God because of our sin. And the Bible tells us that all who will call upon the name of the Lord, all who will trust in Christ alone for salvation, will be saved not most God it's not that Jesus tried to save some and, and and you know some people are just too bad no all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved that means you and that means me and if you've never done that put your faith in Christ today for salvation and if you have believed on Christ believe afresh in the resurrection because there are a lot of voices that we hear in our in our culture and in our community that says, Oh, that's foolishness. That's a bunch of nonsense. This you, you believe in that old you believe you believe the Bible? Well yeah, don't you? And we hear all this and and people harass us because they think that it's foolishness. The Bible says the message of the gospel is that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Believe the resurrection. Believe in Christ afresh. Not to be saved again, but to renew that faith and to stand firm. And again, if you have never accepted Christ, what what I talk about being saved. What am I talking about being saved from? I'm talking about being saved from the wrath of God that you deserve because of your sin. And we all have it. There are times when we fail. We, And I'm not talking about, oh, well, you know, I... I didn't get as good a grade on my test while I meant to. I'm not talking about failing that way. I'm talking about God says to do certain things and don't do other things. And we fail. We, 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 we transgress that command. We break God's law. We cross the line. We fall short. The Bible calls that sin. And our sin separates us from God. But the Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. And if we will confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness he'll take our sins and, and and remove them from us as far as the east is from the west and that we can have eternal life that he will make us alive he'll 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 take out the heart of stone and put in the heart of flesh and it's a free offer extended to us it's free to us and it costs christ everything and if you today will believe on christ you will be saved. Why don't you stand with me as uh, musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, and, and just in the quiet of this time, I want to ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed to examine your heart. Are you a follower of Christ? Now do you come to church? Now have you been baptized? Has there ever been a point in your life when you have repented of your sin and you've cast yourself on God's mercy? The Bible says that the one who has not believed is condemned already because he's not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. But the Bible also goes on to say that, Behold, today is the day of salvation. And while it's still called today, don't harden your heart. but return, return from your sin and turn to God in faith. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have provided salvation. And it's not based on going to church X or living in community Y, that it is based solely on our faith in you and what Christ has done on our behalf. That's something that's easy enough for a child to understand and simple enough for a a child to do. And we thank you that there's not some uh, easy way for some people and a, a, a more challenging way for others. The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we, we thank you for that. And if there's somebody who has never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that today you would draw them to yourself. As they would come, they would bow before the cross, as it were. And they would see the great love that you have for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, for that person who is a Christian I pray that you would encourage each one of us to believe the resurrection, to be firm in our faith, to not be ashamed of the gospel. Because we know it's the power of God unto salvation. And God, again, I pray that you would move in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.